Welcome back to Working at the Wheel, everybody, and happy belated Easter. Uh, we are so excited to have you back here with the Badger Crew podcast. Um, one day after our great Lord and Savior has conquered the grave, risen from the dead, and wow, there's there's just no happier time um, than right now. And we're, we're here today with our final episode in our Identity Theft series, um, and we're really actually diving into this idea of Easter, this topic of Easter. And while it has passed us by one day, we still find the importance to reflect back on it. So I've got some really awesome guests with me today that are ready to just give you some input about how Easter has affected them and just how we can continue to pursue Christ's identity in our lives um, with this remembrance of Easter, with the celebration of his resurrection. So um, if you haven't listened to Working at the Wheel before, um, you have tuned in at a very, you know, great time nonetheless, but in our final episode of the series, we're, we're happy that you're here. Um, but yeah, we are a campus Christian podcast um, through the campus ministry Badger Crew, and our job is to just um, help people grow and make disciples of Jesus Christ um, wherever you may be listening. So we get our name from Jeremiah 18, where God is referenced as the potter, working at the wheel as if we are the clay. Um, and yeah, if I haven't said it before, we're really glad that you're here. So to introduce the awesome guests that I have next to me, um, I'm first going to, as always, introduce my podcast team co-hosts, Miss Katie Cheesebro. Katie, this is your what? Fourth? Fifth? Third, I believe, maybe. Fourth? Third? I'm not quite sure at this point. But Katie, welcome back to Working at the Wheel. It's always great to have you on. Pretty good. Um, I'm home right now. It's a little gloomy. But other than that, it's it's been a good week. I've got two other great guests here today that I will introduce. Mr. Jackson Wolf. How's it going over there, Jackson? It's going well. We're, we're doing fine over here. And finally, uh, Miss Abigail Levins. How's it going over there, Abigail? I'm doing pretty well, uh, other than the fact that I just learned that my brother is winning March Madness right now. Dang. And he's kind of the one I'm out to get. But my dad is losing, so that's okay. Well, once again, when this comes out, you're going to be in first. And, and, hopefully. And hopefully. I know it. Um, awesome, guys. Well, it's so great to have you here. And like I prefaced earlier, we're going to be really diving into this topic holiday celebration of Easter um, and how it can truly wrap up our identity theft series so well. Um, so I'd love to have someone, um, as I always say, start off this conversation, kick us off um, with kind of just explaining maybe someone doesn't really know why we celebrate Easter. Um, so Easter was yesterday, but um, if anyone could give it just a quick synopsis about why we really celebrate Easter, why it's so important um, to those that celebrate Jesus and, and what it what it actually means. I'd love for someone to clarify that. I'd say the reason we celebrate Easter is because it's crucial to our faith. I believe it's in First or Second Corinthians that Paul talks about how if Jesus was not raised, then our preaching is pointless and so is our faith. And the groundwork of the Christian faith is that Jesus came, he died, and he was buried and then he resurrected and Easter is where we get to celebrate that and I've always loved going to church on Easter because we always sing the songs about how Jesus just rose from the dead it's a huge celebration a huge part of our faith because it is why we're saved because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead we will be saved dang welcome to working at the wheel bro that that was great wow um that was that was a great introduction to what Easter was and I think what's really cool about this episode is 
the past episodes of our Identity Theft series, we've really been talking about how we can live like Jesus and put our identity in Jesus. And now we really want to focus on like how he lived when he was on earth um, and talk about the stories that he had, how, how he was faithful and sinless up until his day of death on a cross and up until his execution on a cross um, from his own creation. Um, so I think the questions that we really want to dive into, um, thinking about Jesus's life as a whole um, and how it fits into our identity is just, you know, why was he willing to do this thing? Um, and where did he place his identity in this time? We're supposed to place our identity in Jesus. Where did Jesus place his identity in his time on earth? Um, and then why was he willing to do that? And why was he willing to be so obedient to the point of death on a cross is, is kind of how we want to open this up. Yeah, I mean, throughout songs, throughout sermons, throughout scripture, whatnot, we uh, reference Jesus and Jesus Christ as our Savior. And I think truly he put his identity in that as not just a man who's walking walking the earth and living with us, but truly our Savior. And um, I think he knew all along that he was going to have to perform a great task to live up to that identity. And that meant that he was the one that had to put his identity in our, as being our savior, but also put his identity and trust in his father. And he just trusted that his father knew, knew what was best for the world. And that was that Christ is our savior. And so he had to go through dying on the cross and um, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, being resurrected so that he could be our savior and that we could live freely um, because he did that for us. I think going off of what Katie said, I often think about how Jesus really just gave up a lot uh, for us and to die on a cross for us because I'm always really convicted when I read uh, Philippians 2 where where Paul says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. And I think just when I think about where Jesus put his identity, I'm just really amazed and blown away by the fact that Jesus really made himself nothing. He completely submitted to the Father's will, and his identity was fully as our Savior, as a servant of Christ. And it was like he was a servant. That was his identity, and his identity as a servant was our Savior, as Katie was saying. Um, I think an important place to look, to look at like what Jesus' attitude was before before his death, and resurrection eventually is like when he was in the when he was in the garden and talking about like he, him going alone to pray and how how Jesus who is fully God but yet fully man still has to pray to his father to find that comfort and to and to get through this powerful moment i think that we can learn a lot from that that um praying in these intense moments and praying when we when we feel like we're being attacked can even for Jesus it was his way of dealing with that yeah I think that's also good um and even thinking about now what this means for us you know Jesus died for us he died to save us when we're talking about his identity being placed in a savior um so even thinking about our response you know we think about Lent and if, if you celebrate um Lent it's you know it's the 40 days before Easter um 40 being a very big number in the Bible. It's a very representative number in the Bible. 
Um, and usually during that time, we try to really focus on one or more things that draw us closer to to being like Jesus. You know, as a kid, we give up candy or soda. Um, and I think something that has really been big in my faith walk is realizing that it's not always about giving something up, but it's about pursuing something new that Jesus would do. Um, and now we've hit this Easter point, you know, Lent is over. We can drink Mountain Dew again. We can eat chocolate again, cookies, whatever it is. But what does this mean for us moving forward now? How do we really take whatever these 40 days have taught us or what our faith walk in general has taught us, what the resurrection has taught us, and move towards continuing a pursuit of Christ-likeness um, in our faith walk? Yeah, I think that goes back to Philippians 2 again, where right before it says, it talks about Jesus being a servant and making himself nothing. It says that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition. And we need to, in our relationships with one another, consider the attitude of Christ Jesus and consider following that, which means that we need to do exactly what Jesus did. We need to humble ourselves. We need to become like him, become a servant to others and not be selfish and really take what we've learned in Lent and try to apply it to our lives. When we give something up like um, buying extra things like I gave up for Lent, trying to keep that up in order to be able to give back to God more, to have those resources to give back to him. And that's something I hope to continue after Lent and something that God can help me to do to be more like him and continue to have that attitude of humility even after this time of celebration. And I think it's funny when talking about when we were young, um, it was always like, oh my 20 more days without chocolate like I'm not gonna make it and now being older it's so cool to just have that mentality shift where it's like no I'm not doing this for acceptance I'm not doing this because I'm perfect I'm not doing this because I'm a great Christian I'm doing this from acceptance and because God has given me the ability to perform not necessarily perform but practice this new thing for him um I think that's awesome, and he truly is our one and only audience, so just being able to take time and really not just add something new or take something away, but just focus ourselves on the Lord and just the the fact that he has given us that ability um, to do that freely and from acceptance, um, I just think that's amazing and something that should be celebrated now that I have this this new meaning to it and this new uh, mentality behind it rather than like, ugh, I'm stuck giving up chocolate for 20 more days. Yeah, Katie, I completely agree with you. And I think even thinking about the purpose of Lent, it's very much surrounded about earthly things, right? It's, it's giving up something of this earth to get closer to something that is not of this earth, aka God, aka Jesus. Um, and I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording um, about a really cool story in John chapter 12. And I was wondering if you wanted to take over a little bit and maybe give us a preface of, of the story and, and how surrendering things like these earthly things, whether it be um, things like consumption, like Abigail was talking about, or um, things that help us pursue that likeness towards Jesus that might not always be physical. Um, I, I'd love to have you share that story and maybe dive a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, I guess um, when we were talking about this episode and what we wanted it to look like, um, the story of Mary came up. So the story is based on how Mary takes her 
perfume and her scents that her parents gave her. And during this time, it was like the perfume and the scents are truly meant for those who are worthy. And those who are worthy of receiving this perfume or this scent, you're supposed to like drip it, um, just a tiny little drop and just like give um, part of your scent or your perfume to those that you feel are worthy. And so Mary, she felt that Jesus was the most worthy. And so she actually took her perfume and rather than dripping it on him or um, giving him a drop, he, she dumped it on him, um, sacrificing everything from her parents because she felt that he is, he was the most worthy. And so this is just symbolizing like giving her all to him uh, because it was the best thing to do. Um, and so this was before um, he died on the cross. So just the fact um, that Jesus would have been smelling these scents and this perfume the whole time he was on the cross and the whole time that he was being bolted and he was um, dying, that he would be smelling this and just reminded of the fact that Mary thought he was truly the most worthy, I feel like is just super powerful. So um, I guess going off of that and hearing that story about Mary and how she responded to the impact that Jesus had on her life, um, how do we make the daily promise to live not just like Jesus, like we've been talking about, but like Mary too, and sacrificing those things for the one who is the most worthy. Um, I think that Lent is a great first step into that. And I think at least how I was raised, Lent was you weren't supposed to like complain. The complaining part was not supposed to be part of it. It was supposed to be, when I think about complaining this, I think about the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. And so that, like you said, takes away the worldly things and leads me more towards godliness. And um, I think that the sacrifice that Mary made and this this perfume isn't just like any normal perfume. This is very, very valuable perfume that is, costs a lot of money and people hand it down from generations and keep it with them. Um, but I think it's very interesting to see how the disciples responded before Jesus' death versus how Mary responded. Uh, Mary responded knowing full well what was going to happen and what this meant, what Jesus' death meant. But then when you look at the reaction of some of his disciples, like Peter, um, bringing out his sword to stop people from taking Jesus away, it's a completely different, completely different response because he doesn't truly believe in what Jesus will do on the cross. And so I think that preemptively knowing what Jesus will do is something that we as Christians have to believe in today because if we only believe what we see, then this, our, our faith is dead, right? This is what faith is all about. Yeah, I really, really like the idea that you pointed out of uh, coming coming into surrender as something that we're doing as an act of thankfulness to Jesus and thankfulness for what he did in a response to that. Because I still remember the story my parents always told me that I always laughed at, where they used to be missionaries in Russia, and they went to this one church, and at this church there were no chairs because they had the philosophy that if Jesus hung on a cross for six hours, they could stand for a church service for one hour. <laughs> and I, I honestly, although that's kind of a small example and kind of a funny example, it's something I often think of when I think about surrendering and I think about doing things for Jesus. Because if he was able to surrender his life to me, I should be able to surrender things like consumerism, my time, my money, my effort, 
my life honestly he was able to surrender and die on a cross for me I might as well be able to surrender these small things to him that for some reason seems so hard in the moment but when I look at the big picture it just makes sense absolutely and I think too to answer your question Katie I really love that it was perfume because perfume lingers and it leaves a scent and it leaves a reminder um so when Jesus was doused with this perfume like you were saying, Abigail, he was on that cross for a long time. And him being able to smell that perfume and him being, I, I just think it served as a reminder that he was worthy and people saw him as worthy. Um, and I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we making, how are we reminding Jesus that he is worthy? What is our perfume that we want to pour on him? day in and day out that is allowing people to think that, you know, that is allowing God to remember and Jesus to remember that he is worthy of everything. Because if we're not making him feel that way, then we're kind of not doing our job as his creation and as, and as his disciples and as his children. So I think that's kind of the question that we need to ask ourselves moving forward. And I think that's the way that we want to move next when it comes to moving forward. Um, and thinking about what does truly, what does Jesus' resurrection mean for us? Um, I think most importantly, Jesus' death means that we don't have to be, we don't have to live in our sin anymore, that we can be free from this sin. Um, that's the whole point, like, right? Jesus died on the cross, taking all of our sin into himself, all the sin in the world, past, present, and future, and died for it. So all you have to do is accept that gift that he gives freely to us and you have it. And I think, um, something that kind of, it's really, really hard to con- like, to think about being forgiven of everything past, present and future. And I think when I, when I struggle with that, struggling with, um, feeling convicted and yet still feeling forgiven. Um, I, I a lot of times I look at one of my favorite passages, um, Romans eight thirty eight, uh, which says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8. Yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, I don't know what else you could reference at that point. I mean, obviously the entire Bible is full of great verses like that, but Romans 8 is undeniably truth like that. and. That's that's so good, and I think that really hit the nail on the head of, of starting this conversation of what Jesus' resurrection means for us. Because first and foremost, it means freedom, and it means freedom from everything. And our response still has a lot to do to that, but at the end of the day, what you just referenced means no matter how we respond, there's still freedom. Yeah, and I guess um, one way it was explained to me Um, I kind of always wrestled with that too. Like, how can I be so sinful and this perfect man just be like, no, I got it, I'll die. And I was like, I always thought that was so crazy. Like, I don't deserve this. But the truth is, like, we are so deserving. And like, he didn't do it because we're perfect. He did it because we are sinful. And that's the whole point is he did it because he was perfect and we are sinful and he knew that. And so he is going to die for us. And so I guess one way it was described to me is like you walk into a courtroom and 
there's a list of every single sin you have ever committed. Just everything you have, all the times you have ever lied, all the times you have ever, when you were a kid and stole that sunglasses from the gas, those pair of sunglasses from the gas station, everything is on there. Um, and even not just ones like lying or stealing, but even each time a negative thought crossed your mind, each time you judged someone, um, they're all in this list. And truly, they all add up and your punishment is death. They say, they rule that you have to um, die for your sins to get rid of them. And then um, you walk in and the judge is looking these over. You look up, the judge is your father. And uh, your father sitting there is like, you know what? You should die for these. You have sinned so many times, but... I have never sinned. Here is my empty list and I'm going to trade this for yours. I'm going to take all your sins upon me and I will die for you and you can have a clean record. Not just today, not just yesterday, not just tomorrow, but always. And so I think that's really important just to be like, we cannot do, we cannot change anything or do anything to earn that more. We have been given it by grace. And just like Jackson said, all you have to do is just be like, okay, and accept that uh, your father as a judge is just going to clean that for you and take, take that punishment so that you can live with that clean record um, and have that forgiveness. So I think that's really important too, is just to break it down and realize that you sh- we should, everyone sins and we should, um, as sinful people, die for those, but um, we have been given the gift of freedom and a clean record i bet you guys all know the song reckless love um that's one of my favorite songs i played on piano all the time just talking about how god's love just chases after us in the wide vastness of his love and the bridge where it goes there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up running after me after me and i heard a sermon on that song once and what the word reckless meant in the context of that song and how Reckless is often seen as has a negative connotation. Like you're reckless for jumping off that cliff or you're reckless for doing that dumb thing. But the pastor, when he talked about this, said that reckless in this sense is the idea that it doesn't make any sense. Like God loves us so much that it just doesn't make any sense. He loves us so much that he's willing to do crazy things for us like put all of the sins of the world on his perfect son. When you think about that, it's crazy. Like Katie in the courtroom analogy, that's just insane. And that's why we ask the question, why? And I think when I think about that song, and I think about how reckless God's love is, I'm just amazed because when it comes down to it, the only reason he did it was because he loves us so much. He doesn't need us, but he loves us and he cares about us and wants to have a relationship with us. And it didn't benefit him in any way, but it just benefited us and showed us his love and showed us that we cared about him and could spend an eternity with him, even though we're sinful, even though we don't deserve it. And I think that ties back into what we were talking about earlier. Like, he put his identity in being our savior because he loves us so much, because we don't deserve it. But he's going to do that because that is what he put his identity in. And being the perfect person, he is not going to stray from that. And he truly put his 110% um, 
his all into being our savior. And that's why we are able to receive this gift. I think we can talk about um, the, this big question of like, why? We can talk about this for forever. But I think for me, it like can be summed up in like, God is good and God is love. And I think one of the, I'm going to read another passage again, but not just because I like this passage, but this is the, the first time. So it's an Exodus, Exodus 34, when God describes himself, which is crazy. But this is, this is what it says, Exodus 34, uh, verse six. He said, and he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Um, I think the first the first half of that, that little section is super duper encouraging, like right, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love, faithfulness and maintaining love to thousands. But at the end of the day, like God is our father, right? And what the father wants the best for his children. And so as children of God, we God is such a good, good father and he is love to want us to be tested and be tested by sin. And, be, and when we can go through that and fight through that by the grace of God, we can be forgiven of these things. And I think um, him explaining that, that he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. This is, this is kind of the beginning of a theme in the Bible where God is making these covenants with man and then man continually breaks them, right? The covenant with Moses, the covenant with Noah. Um, and then finally, he sends Jesus down to complete this covenant for himself. He's going to say, you, you, I, they, I'm going to give you this free pass. And this is what, this is, this is wide open for you, right? This is the door. Jesus is the bridge leading to me. And it's because I'm a good father that I've sacrificed my own son so that I don't have to judge you, that you can be free from this sin. And that's the freedom that we see in his resurrection. And that's the covenant being made new. And that's why we call it the new covenant compared to the old covenant is because it's the new promise. It's the new life. It's the new creation that comes through Jesus's resurrection that we celebrate once a year formally, but we should be celebrating every single second of our lives. Because if we're living in freedom every single second of our lives, then we owe God gratitude and thanks in everything that we do every second of our lives. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was the perfect answer to why I was kind of hoping people had answers to that because I didn't really know how I would answer that. So, um, it was a really great challenge to think about like why God even does this for us, why Jesus sacrificed for us. And I think it was just truly out of love and God being the God of love, um, could only send love down through his son, Jesus. And with Jesus being fully man and fully God, we saw that represented in him in just the way that he loved the people of this earth, but still guided them on their path, you know, through tough love, you know, but still love. And we see how God does the same thing in um, testing us with trials and tribulations and putting those in our path and promising us those, but for them all to end up for the glory of God and for our continued growth and sanctification in him. Yeah, and I think one important thing too is just because he resurrected and just because he died for our sins doesn't mean we're going to live a perfect life. 
we're gonna, gonna go, go through trials, trials and we're gonna go through tribulations, but because he died for our sins and because of that resurrection, the battle is already won. He's not gonna bring us to a battle that we can't fight, and he's gonna be there fighting alongside of us, but we're gonna have to fight, and that's the that's the truth. Um, so it's not gonna be all rainbows and sunshine all the time, but rather than rainbows and sunshine, he gives us that freedom to fight that alongside him and know that we are never alone and the battle will always be won because he he wins it for us and then takes us through that with him yeah and not only do we have the freedom to fight but we have his power to fight like philippians 1 says the same power that resurrected christ lives in us when we accept him So the spiritual armor that he talks about in Ephesians 6 is all given by God and all used by the power of God. So it's so amazing that first we already have a victory and yes, we still need to fight the war, but we have the power of the almighty God that can raise people from the dead in us and no devil, no demon, no trick of Satan can stop that. Yeah, a great, (laughs) we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, right? Amen. Amen. Um, I think something important to talk about is um, like the, Im- the impossibility of being pure and like the, the, great, the great role model that Jesus was that we, we have to strive to be. And um, I think a lot of times you can, the, the, the steps of like being a Christian is accepting that you're a sinner and then accepting the free gift of Jesus, right? And so I think as, as a Christian myself, I struggle with not staying in that sin, not s- sitting in this, this pool of like self, self-loathing that I, I don't like myself and I don't want to be this sinner anymore and I want to be like God, right? But it's because I can focus on Jesus that I can not focus on that sin anymore. And I think uh, another encouraging passage is uh, in 1 Corinthians, the no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So I think that's another encouraging one, especially along with we can do all things to Christ who gives us strength, right? So we it's because of God's forgiveness and because of the strength that he gives us that we can overcome this temptation that seems impossible. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's also, also good. And to close us with, with one last um, passage, that Abby will remind us about, about us having the resurrecting power because of Christ. So once again, we're in Philippians, um, this time chapter 3, 10 through 11. It says, um, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate the resurrection, the conquering of the grave. We also celebrate the conquering of this world. Mm-hmm. And not, not just the grave, not just a small little area that a stone blocked that he pushed away, but this entire world that he conquered and that he's the ultimate conqueror of. And how, once again, we have that power, um, we have that resurrecting power in us when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. And um, I think everything that we've said today has been so awesome. And really thinking about the celebration of Easter has um, wrapped up this series so great. And I think what could wrap up this series even better is everyone's favorite segment on Working at the Wheel, and that's our reference minute. So 
if any of you guys have any cheap plugs you want to throw out there in this reference minute, whether it be about Easter, whether it be about um, resurrection, whether it be about Jesus's life or anything that has really helped you in your faith walk, um, I'd love to hear them. And I think everybody listening would also just love to hear the references in which you guys were able to talk so truthfully today. I've always wanted to recommend songs because I love Christian music and I always think people should listen to more Christian music. And the one song I thought of, well, obviously Reckless Love, if you haven't listened to that one, because I referenced that one. But um, I remember when Jackson mentioned the verse uh, Romans 8, where it talks about how no height or depth can separate us from God's love. And there's a song called Strong Love by John Thurlow. And it took me a second to get into the song because it's kind of weird at first. But basically, it's based on that verse. And um, it's just really encouraging just about God's love and his power. Because we always like to hear encouraging songs when we listen to music while we work out or whatever you listen to music during. Um, I think huge plug to uh, the book Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. Um, Great, great, great book talking about what it means to be a Christian. And um, I think I thought about this book a lot when we were talking about uh, Mary and the sacrifices he gave up. Um, a lot of this talks about um, the sacrifices that disciples had to make and people had to make to follow Jesus, right? It's like drop everything and come follow me. Don't don't even wait to bury your, bury your dead. Come and follow me now that the dead bury the dead, I think is what was said there. But yeah, great yeah. book, super duper convicting, awesome. Um, I don't have something directly related to this topic, but um, this summer I'm actually planning on going on a mission trip uh, with crew. And so one book I'm just going through with my discipler is Cojourners. And I've always been one that's like kind of hesitant with sharing my faith just because I've never known how. I feel like I'm not skilled enough um, in that area and just feel like it's very difficult. Um, but it's just so encouraging and just gets me so hyped for summer and so excited that I get to go. I have the privilege of going and sharing my faith and sharing the gospel rather than um, ha- having it be a frightening thing. It is going to be scary and it is going to be a time of learning when I go. But um, this book just gets me so excited and definitely has so many um it just explains the importance of sharing the gospel and going out and sharing your faith um, and leading, leading others to Christ because truly coming to Christ is the best thing in my life. And I think I can speak for most people who have surrendered their life, if not all, that coming to Christ is genuinely the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. Um, so I think it's so cool just um, the encouragement that that book shares. That's so awesome. Um, thank you guys for all those references and to, to everybody listening, like I said, happy belated Easter. Um, whether you celebrated with a bunch of people yesterday or not, as we all know, we're still living in a different time right now. Um, I think the most important thing is just to celebrate with Jesus. You know, whether you're by yourself or, or normally with your family, the celebration is of Jesus and with Jesus. So I encourage you to do that in whatever way that that looks and really continue to pursue and celebrate the joyous things of Easter every single day um, because his resurrection lasts every single day. So we should celebrate it every single day. But beyond that, that's it for us here at Working at the Wheel. 
Um, we will be coming up with our new series very shortly, um, so stay tuned for that. It's going to be great, guys. We're going to have um, some new topics, some new guests, and I know me and the podcast team are definitely excited for that. So, But beyond that, thanks for being here tonight, and we'll see you later. Bye. 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 Happy Easter. Thank you.